0: Hello everybody. I have a really exciting guest for you guys this week. I was actually listening to a podcast a few weeks ago and I heard the podcast host say that to have a successful podcast, you have to have your mom on as one of the guests. I'm not sure if this is true, but it made me want to interview my mom because she's a business owner. Um, My parents actually both own businesses throughout my life. And my grandpa's a business owner, and I'm actually a fourth-generation entrepreneur. So business owning is just in my blood. But I'm really excited about this episode. My mom is a speech therapist. She has had her own business for decades now. Um, She opened up her own brick and mortar, so we're going to talk about that. And we went through some pretty difficult struggles during the crash in 2008 because my dad owned a construction business, and my mom struggled with some of her clients. So we talk about going through some of those more difficult moments and how she overcame it. And so I'm really excited to share this episode with you guys and really get to learn from somebody who's been an entrepreneur for a long time. So with that, let's get started. Welcome to Unstrictly Business, a podcast where we interview business owners about everything that helps them succeed, from business advice to self-care and everything in between. I'm your host Callie and each week we'll share a new episode with behind the scenes content that reveals what it's really like to run a successful business so when you were growing up you grew up with an entrepreneur dad when you were growing up did you feel like you were ever going to become an entrepreneur or were you kind of like i never want to be like him
1: no i think i really liked the lifestyle and the work you know, that you could do owning your own business rather than working for someone else. So I don't think I grew up thinking I'll do this kind of job working for myself. But I think I had a definite sense that I would work for myself.
0: And then growing up in kind of, I mean, 50 years ago, there was your mom worked at home. She was just a stay-at-home mom and you were kind of expected to help her in the kitchen and clean when your brothers got to run off. So you have four brothers. So do you think that impacted you at all the way that you saw like the role of women?
1: I think so. And I think kind of going back to your first question, I I think I wanted to do the work, raising a family and having children and, you know, contributing to a household in, in that way, but also working. And I think part of my desire to work for myself was, is, was because I was going to be able to combine sort of a domestic and working lifestyle. Um, if I if I was my own boss, I would be able to figure out how to do both at the same time. I think that's what I thought.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. So when you're in high school, were you driven towards like any specific subjects or were you still kind of like, I want the freedom, but I don't know how I'm going to get it?
1: Yeah. Yeah. That's a good question. I always loved languages. And in 10th grade, I wrote, we had to write a term paper and I went to the library when we still had card catalogs and just sort of started rifling through card catalogs in the language section. And found books on whether language came from the brain, sort of nature, or whether it was nurture for how children develop language. So there was this nature versus nurture debate about where language comes from and how children learn it. And I wrote my paper on that. And I think that just, I just knew I would do something with language. I also really loved French. I took Latin. And so, but being interested in language didn't really translate to a job necessarily. Like, oh, I really love learning about language. But it's not like, oh, I want to be a lawyer to use that language or because I like language or I want to be a doctor because I like medical vocabulary. So I never really thought what I would be doing with my love of language.
0: So when you went off to college, you went to GW, George Washington University, and then you transferred to Georgetown. Did you have that language basis in your mind of what you wanted to study?
1: Yeah, yeah. I actually applied to Georgetown as a freshman to be a linguistics major. Um, There were only, I think, about five or six programs in the country to be to get a degree in linguistics at the time and didn't get in so that was a that was a stab to the heart but um wanted to be in dc and figured oh i'll go to george washington university for a year and transfer to georgetown but i ended up having a good time at gw and really loving the city campus and actually took a class regarding speech and language pathology just because it was language related but didn't at the time didn't really think that that was an interest of mine so i applied to georgetown and transferred in as a junior uh, and got my Bachelor of Science in Linguistics and a minor in French. You
0: guys can see where my love of language comes from too. But after, so you graduate and you kind of knew that you were gonna be a speech language pathologist.
1: So yeah. yeah, no, so I, Georgetown's emphasis in their linguistics program for their graduate degree is on teaching English as a second language. And so I, I didn't wanna do that with my linguistics undergraduate. So, and there's really not much to do. Like you could sit around, I didn't really see myself sit around, sitting around theorizing all day about language and where does it come from and researching. So I had a professor my senior year at Georgetown who had his PhD in linguistics, but for kicks, I think he went and got his master's in speech language pathology from GW. And we were, I was doing an independent study with him my senior fall and spring semesters. And he said, you know, I think you'd make a great speech therapist. You should really think about it. And so I thought about it and applied to five or six schools and got into all of them and uh, ended up deciding I'm going back to GW for my graduate degree.
0: Nice. And did you, were you like pleasantly surprised by the program there or was it not really what you expected?
1: You know, I honestly don't think I really researched it that carefully. I just applied to master's programs in speech language pathology. I knew that there would be obviously a clinical component to it as well as some research I chose to do. You could either take a comprehensive exam at the end of your two years grad school or write a thesis and so i did choose to write the thesis so i did want to delve deeper into language but also really liked all the clinical aspects to it and seeing different kinds of clients because patients would come to the speech and language clinic that was served by the graduate students under supervision of the professors and so we got to see a smattering of different types of patients and clients that was great
0: That sounds really cool i think i mean it would be nice to get that practice before because i just know people that my friends that are wanting to go to law school, they don't get any practice actually in a law firm. And then they realize after they go to law firm, they don't like it. So it is nice that you had that. Yeah. But so after you graduate and you got your master's, you go and you work in a office.
1: So, yeah, so I did my two externships. The second year of grad school, you actually get to do a placement at an actual place. So I did, I always thought I would work with adults and I did my fall placement at Washington Hospital Center, which is an acute care hospital. And then I did my spring externship at National Rehab Hospital. People there for longer term treatments for traumatic brain injury and stroke. And I, I just always thought I would work with grown ups, and I loved it. I loved that work and I loved being in a medical setting. But when you finish your graduate degree in speech pathology, you have to do a third year called your clinical fellowship year. And someone has to supervise you. So it's diff- it can be difficult to find a CF placement because it's gonna take time away from someone who's actually an employee to do the supervision piece. So I took a CF position at a, an adult day program for adults with developmental disabilities. So kids with autism and Down syndrome and other developmental disabilities grow up and become 40-year-olds and 50-year-olds and 60-year-olds. So this program, the grown-ups would come there during the day and do different activities, and they would also volunteer out in the community. So I would go on a bus or, or in a van with them to support them in communicating with their non-disabled peers, whether it was at the Howard University Hospital linen department or a soup kitchen or um, a church, you know, doing sort of cleaning tasks for a church. So that was really neat. It was like getting to be out in the community. It wasn't in an office at all, being out and about and helping, we called them consumers at the time, which I really hated that word, but um, to help the consumers navigate their day, you know, using communication skills.
0: That does sound really cool. So was it working with them that you kind of questioned, like maybe I would want to work with like younger kids or did you always think like, I really like working with older
1: kids? Yeah. I really liked being with the grownups. Um, but I started having my own kids (laughs) and, and as I, I think I worked at St. John's for like seven years and then had you and then just, and then had Michael, you know, quickly after your brother. And so just thought, you know, maybe, maybe it is better to have a work-life a little more focused on kids, and I was seeing you guys go through typical language development and speech production, and so I knew that would like parlay easily when I was working with clients, younger kids. So, so that was why I made the switch.
0: And how did you feel like when you started doing that? Did you like it as much, or was it kind of
1: a weird transition? Uh, I I did like it. I think because my skill set transfers. So whether you're that's one of the great things about this career, I think. Um, you can work with adults, you can work with kids. The transition to working with kids wasn't difficult because I brought the skill set and all the skills that I had honed working with the other population. And so it was an easy transition. And I really, I was enjoying kids just I had them at home and playing with toys. And so yeah, I really loved that work at that private clinic where I worked.
0: How many years did you end up working with the younger kids in that clinic before you kind of started being like, maybe I won't have my own
1: business? Right. So I think that's really what inspired me working for woman donna she owned a private practice in arlington i worked there for three years so i started in 2000 and worked there until 2003 when we moved down to norfolk and i i liked watching her be her own boss she got to make decisions she could pick up clients if she wanted or she could you know spend time honing her own skills going to conferences she seemed to enjoy supervising other speech therapists that worked for her and so yeah i think i think watching her operate her private practice is something that pushed me on like yeah that's definitely what I want to do in this field.
0: So what were kind of those first steps when you knew that you wanted to start your own practice?
1: Yeah, so when we moved, when we moved to Norfolk, I looked for a building and had to think of a name and uh, you know, get through go through all the tax ID stuff, the legal and logistics kind of stuff and then I sent with the fun parts which is bringing toys from home to the clinic where once I had the space and then you guys would come play there or you know siblings would come there and be like hey that's my toy that that you took out of the toy room but yeah and then so i think i think it was just there was partly administrative stuff but because my practice was small i was really the administrative piece to it was pretty just a small piece of my week and then most of my week was spent providing services to people
0: yeah that makes sense i think that is something that sometimes other business owners struggle with is when their business gets like bigger and they end up doing more of the administrative side that they don't like as much but we didn't really mention this, but my grandpa, my mom's dad, he owned a furniture store and his dad owned a furniture store. And my, my uncles, they all grew up in this furniture store. So was grandpa like really excited that you were doing this or was he kind of like stand straight and narrow? Like he's pretty, I don't want to say strict, but he's really, he's a realist. So I don't know if he was like, yay, go follow your
1: dreams. Yeah. I think, I think he was excited for me. I think he loves working for himself and I don't think he could, I think it'd be hard for him to advise any of you know my siblings and myself to go work for corporate america let's say or work for a big hospital you know and he's he's the t- he will admit that he's the type of business owner that can really only focus on one store like there are there's his competition where they have six or seven stores or they're nationwide but he really likes just focusing on just the one store and says he doesn't really have the skill set to expand and I think I have some of that you know there was a time where I mean, the place that I rented in Norfolk had a lot of rooms and I could have hired other therapists therapist to do the work, but work for me and expand the practice. But I, I think then it becomes more administrative and you are supervising people and seeing what they're up to. And so, yeah, I think my dad was supportive and I think he, I think it makes sense to him that I just have the, a small practice. He never really encouraged me to you know, expand to multi-states or, yeah.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And so you're doing this for a while, you really like it, but there is like some difficult parts. My daddy also was a business owner. He had a construction company at the time. And this was in 2008 during the crash of the economy. And so I know that wasn't easy. So how did you deal as like a business owner, not having like that stability, not having health insurance, like not having a 401k, like how'd you deal with not having those the benefits of working for
1: a corporate company? Yeah. I guess I just always tried to get as many clients as I could, but it was hard for them because as the economy crashed, it was hard for them to afford speech therapy. And so, since I don't take health insurance, um, people have to pay their self-pay. It was it was hard watching my clients' moms and grandparents struggle, but they they figured it out. You know, godparents would pay or grandparents would pay for the services. You know, I had to be patient about sometimes people not paying on time, and um, it was it was hard. But I never, I just never considered going to work for a hospital or the school system or a, a clinic. A bigger clinic, I just you know, I just plugged plugged on through, hoping that things would get better and.
0: But I can imagine in a household having five kids and a husband that also had his own business that things get a little bit stressful. Is there anything that helped you have that mindset to be able to push through? Or is that just something
1: that you grew up having? I think it's definitely something I grew up having because I watched my parents survive the 70s with you know high gas prices and super high inflation. And then I watched my dad's business really thrive in the 1980s. When taxes were lower and the economy was strong. So I think I was well aware, without really thinking about it that consciously, but I was aware of changes in the economy and changes in, you know, the American society could affect how small businesses thrive or don't thrive. So yeah, I think it was just, you know, I wanted to work for myself and you just take the good and the bad when that happens and just keep moving.
0: Yeah. I mean, I get that. I feel like you had that in your brain that, okay, like you just got to keep pushing through, but in those harder moments, like, were there any, was there anything that you turned to for support?
1: Sure. Yeah. I certainly turned to family and friends. Um, you know, anything for me is sort of worth it for my kids. And, um, I really enjoyed the families that I served. And so I got a lot of strength from helping kids find their voice and seeing the families so elated and certainly my faith that also got me through, I'm, you know, spiritual, religious person. And, and I know that God has a plan. And so I think that helped as well.
0: Yeah, I definitely think like having a spiritual, there's a really big spiritual aspect to self-care and certainly like connections with other people. There's a lot of research about having community to support you can really help lift you up, um, especially as a business owner. Um, But kind of what you touched on with your kids, how you wanted to help do it for them and how you moved into more child speech therapy instead of adult speech therapy. Um, What was it like balancing being a mom and a business owner?
1: It was hard when, you know, owning a business for me, like work is never done. You might be doing it at nine o'clock at night or 11 o'clock at night or five o'clock in the morning and fitting it in wherever you can. So, but again, I kind of think of that as a positive, like I can have a very flexible schedule being a business owner versus I have to show up at 8.30 and I have to stay until 4.30 and there's nothing else I can get done on the job if I'm working for someone else. So, So I think actually owning my own business gave me the flexibility that I needed to raise five kids and work at the same time after nap, you know, during nap time or after bedtime or before they woke up in the morning.
0: Yeah, that makes sense. And I think that is why moms either like start businesses when they move to having kids because like they either want to have that flexibility or they want like purpose outside of their children. I know a few families that were like stay at home moms, but then they started their own businesses because they were kind of feeling a little bit, like their identity was just like their kids. So they wanted to find something a little bit outside of that. But I think that's really interesting and a good point that as a mom, it's kind of good to be an entrepreneur or have more flexible schedule. So you definitely like went through some hardships in your business, but you also had some success. And do you think most of the success of your business, the fact getting new clients was mostly word of mouth or how did you market your business?
1: Yes, I think for me, marketing doesn't really work. I don't see a whole lot of ads for speech and language therapists. It's, it's a business where word of mouth is the way that you attract customers um, and pay clients. So I do like some of the apps that, you know, Nextdoor and Craigslist. I mean, I've, I found a client on Craigslist. And I just think there, there are other cheaper ways now to reach people close to where you live, especially Nextdoor is a really good example because you can find people who were, you know, they'll drive 10 or 15 minutes. So you can market directly to them.
0: I think that's good advice. So knowing that now that it was a lot of word of mouth and just people like maybe Googling and when you had a Google Maps, like, I don't know, when you had a brick and mortar, you were able to like search and people were able to just like find you like that Um, or just posting on forums like Nextdoor and Craigslist. Do you think there's anything you wish you knew when you started out that now is like not even a second thought?
1: I think I would want to put a little bit more money towards marketing. I don't really budget for it in my business because I've always found plenty of clients, just the right amount that I wanted on a weekly basis. But I think with hindsight, like some direct mail or um, doing more like, well, the internet gives a lot of opportunities for you know free things to give away or, so I wish I had, I also wish I had a little bit more technological skills to be able to manage a website better and keep it fresh so that I'm coming up higher in Google searches and, um, you know, like I said, maybe some direct direct mail, targeting people with children, the ages that I serve. So I think, I think I, if I could do it again, I might spend a little more time developing my marketing skills and finding, you know, inexpensive, but also maybe putting money towards ways to attract more clients.
0: Yeah. Just so that you would have to do like less work on the back end of like going out and finding these clients and going through Craigslist to like find people looking or posting yourself? Like, would you make your own post on Craigslist?
1: Yeah. Yeah. No, I responded to people's ads on Craigslist. They were looking for a speech therapist. So just twice. I don't think a lot of people do it, but um, you know, I think I was always torn though between marketing and expanding and being able to manage my practice and me being the only person delivering services. And so I didn't want to get too big so that I was swamped with, you know, 40 hours a week of client time every week. Uh, so, so yeah, I guess for me, it really just did unravel organically and, and for just the right amount of clients on a weekly basis.
0: That makes sense. And that's good. I mean, I feel like you do have a pretty good balance of like what clients you have and like the number that you want. Um, so I think there always are kids that are struggling, that market is always going to be there. So I think that is one nice thing about being a service provider is you're not trying to convince somebody of like a product that is more of a want. Like, I think that speech therapy is more of a need. I mean sometimes like having a speech impediment is gonna like affect your confidence. And maybe it's not like a chronic illness that you have to do to like save your life, but you still have like, you wanna be able to speak better.
1: Yeah, I mean, parents want the best for their kids. I think that's the other piece of why I didn't really wanna focus on adults. I think it would have been harder to find private clients on an adult level. I mean, it would be people who were either stutterers or maybe still recovering from a stroke um, or traumatic brain injury, um, or maybe someone who wanted to decrease their accent and speak more clearly. So I think to operate a private practice, I really had to gear towards children because babies are always being born kids, you know, 10% of any population of children, you know, given hundred kids, 10 of them are going to have speech and language needs. It's just the percentage uh, and then the rise of autism in the last 25 years. So um, sadly, but good for me as a business owner that there will always be a new fresh batch of kids um, being diagnosed with issues and parents who have concerns that want to get started sooner than later.
0: Yeah. I mean, that is the nice thing about, I mean, it's like you're a specialized teacher. Like there's always going to be kids that need to be taught these new skills, but we're going to finish up soon. I was just wondering if now that you have most of your kids like out of the house, they're older now, like you're reaching more towards the end of your career. Is there any like regrets you have or things that you wish you had done or um, started, had started earlier?
1: Maybe starting earlier. Um, again, maybe having a little bit more of a web presence you know, developing things that could work for me, like a class that people would want to sign up for or a subscription service that someone might want to sign up for to get information to, for them to be able to help their kids. But uh, I, can't, I, I can't think that anything I, I that I really would have done differently. Um, I'm anxious for them or excited for them to both be in middle school and high school next year, the ones that are still living at home and they'll both be on the same school schedule. And so that will help me just organize my day better, my work day better. Uh, this past year has been tough with virtual school. They were both home. And so it was, uh, I was working from home doing telepractice, but uh, they also had some needs during the day. And so I felt interrupted and maybe not as productive. So I'm excited for them to be in school full-time in the fall.
0: Yeah. I think that'll be good for everybody. But now they're finishing up is, you, can you tell everybody, if you have anything that you want to share that you maybe didn't get to talk about, or how people would be able to reach you if they're interested in learning more about speech therapy or building a business? Sure. Yeah.
1: I think, I think for me, it's like, I love WH questions. They really help us dig deeper. And so for me, I'm always asking myself the who, what, where, when, why, how of what I'm doing during my week. So is it still suiting me? And I love how I can work. I love deciding how much I get to work or want to work or need to work. I like determining who I want to work with, focusing on what certain population or certain disorders. Um, I love the, you know, thinking all day about why I'm doing the work I'm doing and improving the skills that I have. What skills do I have? What skills do I need? So I always, as a business owner, try to think about the WH questions and making sure I can answer them appropriately and, and well for myself. And so if if people have questions about speech and language therapy needs for their kids, the, the internet can be a great place to go. There are a lot of resources. It's My big philosophy is always never to play the waiting game when it comes to kids. So parents who are concerned, it's better to get their kids' needs met sooner than later. And pediatricians and, well-meaning family members may say, oh, he's a boy, he's going to talk later, or oh, she's a second born, you know, the second borns always talk later. But um, I always tell parents to just listen to their heart and listen to their gut. And if they feel that their children need speech and language therapy, it's something to really start as soon as possible.
0: Okay, well, thank you for all that good information. I was fun diving in a little bit more to your business. And thank you for joining us. Yeah, thanks for asking me. Okay. Well, thanks everybody for giving this episode a listen. If you enjoyed, you can listen to some of our other episodes or leave us a review below and have a great rest of your day. Bye. Thanks for listening to this week's episode of Unstrictly Business. Want to learn more about how you can create a successful business of your own? Visit our website, dowelldepartment.com. Do well, See you next week.